Welcome to Running For Real, a global community with a shared love and curiosity for running. Together we reconnect with the reasons why we love to run and discover ways it helps us become better people. Whether it's the quiet moments of a morning run while the rest of the world still sleeps, or befriending the strangers next to you at the start line of a race. We are here to connect with others who see running as the common thread that weaves our lives together. Come join me, Tina Muir, as I talk with people from all walks of life, united by a love of running. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 382 of the Running Thrill podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited that you are here and so excited for my guest today, who I met a few months ago, just adored her energy. Um, and you are going to too, if you don't already know her. She is the founder of the community 100 Miles of Summer, which has become huge. So if you are a part of 100 Miles of Summer, you will know exactly who I'm talking about. We have Kayla Jeter on the show today. Kayla is a former professional volleyball player. She's a mindset coach, a personal trainer, stress management coach, and a wellness entrepreneur. She's a Lululemon Global Ambassador. As I mentioned already, she was the founder of 100 Miles of Summer, and she's also the founder of Soho House Chicago Run Club. I absolutely love the energy that she brings to this world, the kindness, the intention, the thoughtfulness with everything she says. And you're really going to get to see that today. If you don't follow her on social media, uh, Fit and Full by Kayla, I would absolutely recommend you do that because she is just a joy, just so much energy and love there. Um, so go check her out if you haven't already. Without further ado, let's get to our episode with Kayla. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last five years, I've been drinking AG1 every day. No exceptions, one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel good. I feel energized, I can take on the day knowing no matter what happens, no matter what my food intake looks like, I have taken care of myself. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more. It's a powerfully healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. I know with AG1, I'm getting this high quality nutrition. Every batch goes through this rigorous testing process so you know it's safe. Their ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency and nutrient density. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash Tina. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Tina. Check it out. Kayla, I am so excited to welcome you to the Running For All podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and get into some good conversation. Yes, I love that. And um, I want to begin by sharing that you and I met a few months ago. Uh, listeners will remember I had Jason Suarez on a few months ago as well. Jason, I also met the same time I met you at this these very intentional, very thoughtful um, AG1 uh, just... I was saying how they were very grounding moments for me, just these the these cherished moments that happened within the New York City Marathon weekend where they just took care of us. Those of us running, you were running, I was running, um, and there was a group of us running, and uh, it was just really special. So um, this is not the first time you've done something like this with AG1 or been a part of something like this for AG1. So tell us a bit about what you do with them to start with. Yeah. So with AG1, I am the run lead. So it's the first time having someone in this position, essentially trying to bring some personality to a product, if you will, at the highest level. But really, when we think about running and the communities that it creates, we want to we want to show up in a way that we're filling the gaps. So how are we, yes, have a product that fills the gaps within your nutrition and your health, but how are we also showing up in the community of running to help people just be them best selves as they go do incredible things, which includes just coming together on the weekends or running marathons? Yes, I love that. And for you, what is, what is 
run community mean to you? Like before you, you know, were involved with AG1 in this sense, like what has that meant to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it starts with defining what community means, which is a space that you can show up authentically as yourself and come back to and rely on. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be only reflective of me, especially as a Black woman. I think diversity and experience and, and people makes it even more rich. So when I think about community, it's rooted in togetherness, support, authenticity, and also also just consistently showing up for each other. Do you remember the moment you first consciously realized either that was what you needed or that was something important to you? A thousand percent. So (laughs) I love this. And I think my introduction to running is so different because I don't come from a running background. I played volleyball growing up. I played professionally. And I've just gotten into this running space within the past, like, six years. And I mean, I ran my first marathon last year. So racing is also new, but Mm. as far as community, I remember 2019, I was taking care of my mom who ended up passing away from cancer. And there was this run crew in Cleveland, the city that I'm from, then where my mom was called run with the winners. And I had heard about them and I had this challenge going on called hundred miles a summer. That was still in its like second year, I believe at that time. And I needed to go for a run. I was like, okay, I've never gone to a run meetup. It sounds really intimidating because like we're all running together. It feels like practice to me and I don't have that type of experience. But they met up downtown. I was like, okay, I'm just going to go and just go for a run because I need some type of space from taking care of my mom who's going through a really hard time and I need to just see other people. So I remember going to this run meetup and everyone was not only super welcoming and kind, but ran with me. And Mm. I was crossing a bridge. I can't think of the bridges right now. Going to downtown across like where the old um, Tower City is what it's called is. And I just like broke down in tears. I was Mm. like, which is like great, but also really tough while running. I was like emotionally (laughs) like getting worked up. And in that moment, I was like, wow, I I can't do life alone. I can't get through what I'm going through alone. And there's people out here who who are generally just interested in me as Kayla to help me through this and don't want anything from me. And from that, I was just hooked on being part of something that was bigger than myself that gave back to the people that invested in it. I'm interested then for you with saying that coming from a volleyball background and I had in college, I was very close with the volleyball players. Uh, I had two volleyball players in my wedding. Um, I saw, I remember going into the, um, locker room once with with one of my friends and seeing how close these women were (laughs) and it well at the time what stood out to me was that they were like naked around each other and I was like what (laughs) like cross-country players don't do that or runners don't do this like what is this like I'm not that close with my teammates um but like also I uh, there was this like just this deep friend and maybe it was the two friends I had were kind of same vibe as you and I very like um thoughtful and and deep and like love to have these rich conversations um but I it really struck me of how much uh, like a true team they were but also how much they had each other's back how much they were there for each other and to me at the time it was vastly different to what I experienced um and so how much did the did that, I'm assuming you had a similar upbringing. I've seen that in different volleyball teams as well. How much of that were you kind of craving sure. um, and found it in that moment? Yeah. I mean, well, as far as experiences go, the naked shower thing all the time around it together <laughs> is a real thing, apparently in all locker rooms, <laughs> uh, which is so funny to hear about as far as a shared experience. But from a closeness aspect, that's something that I grew up in team sports. You know what I mean? I, and I have three sisters, so I've always been part of a team Mm. and the function of volleyball within itself, it's three touches to get the ball over the net and you can't touch the ball twice in a row. So you really have to rely on the person next to you, have these close bonds, relationships, feel the energy and play off of each other. So leaving that environment and coming into the real world, if you will, once I was done playing professionally, I was craving that, but also wanted to do it in a way that was rooted in something not only for performance, right? Because when you're done playing your sport, I at least was like burnout. I was like, I'm sick of training. I'm sick of always performing at a high level. I kind of just want to be in something that makes me feel connected to a group, but isn't always being measured as far as like, what does success look like? Mm. Mm. Oh, I hear that so much um, from my own background of, of leaving the sport as well. Um, and I can see how 
you know, like you said, that run, that group run experience and the fact that it was positive. You hear so many people yeah. go have negative first run group experiences or run crew experiences. Um, I'm so glad that you found that group that, um, that was able to provide that little reminder of how much that meant to you. And then, so what happened from there to then you obviously, well, tell us about the hundred miles of summer, um, as you've continued to, to do that. And that is an important thing for you before we go yes. on. So 100 Miles of Summer started when I first moved to Chicago in 2017. So it was like 2018, the next summer that I started this challenge of walking, jogging 100 miles from May 1st to August 31st, because the summertime shy is the best energy in the world. When I first moved here, I didn't have a car. I didn't know the city. I was too confused to take the bus. So I was like, let me just explore the city by foot. And initially it started just to explore my own neighborhood, right? To get to know where I am. And there's people who are also interested. A lot of former athletes were like, hey... I have a really negative relationship with running, but I want to get into running. And this sounds like something I can at least try, right? Mm -hmm. 100 miles over the course of four months, which again, for me, volleyball court's 30 feet, 100 miles <laughs> over the course of four months sounds uh -huh. like, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. And so as it grew, as far as all word of mouth, people sharing, they did this challenge called 100 miles a summer. Into the next year, we started with 12 people and then it was like, 56 and we grew and really, really exploded was during quarantine when everyone was at home looking for a way to escape physically, mentally, emotionally, and also still be connected in some way. So that year we had over, I believe, 500 people joining from all around the world. It's all virtual. Um, it really is meant to use running, walking, and jogging to keep it inclusive as a catalyst living a better or a healthier lifestyle. Mm. And as we've grown, I mean, this past year, we had over 260,000 people join on Strava, which is really beautiful because the challenge is not geared towards avid runners. It's not geared towards marathoners, like a hundred miles in four months, high level, active, consistent runners are going to eat up in like two weeks to a month. You know what I mean? It's designed to get people to be part of something and challenge themselves in a way they haven't been before feel supported in it and also see that they can do hard things. So the challenge has been there for me when my mom was dying. I didn't want to do that year. I emotionally just wasn't locked in in 2019. And the amount of people that reached out to me saying, hey, are we doing it this year? Hey, we, we support you. Hey, we're going to do these. I call them memory miles. It's just 2.2, which is my mom's birthday. Mm. So I would do these memory miles on Friday. Like, hey, if anyone wants to run with me, like we're just going to run 2.2 miles. And just rooting the movement, that's something that's so innate in us to something that literally moves us and also takes care of us yeah. is what running is all about for me. So true. And how did you, how did you put those on in terms of, uh, you said like, Hey, does anyone want to run with me? Was that on your social media? Like, how did you, how did you build this momentum? Yeah. All social media, which is like, a, that's a separate conversation for another day uh -huh. as far as the power and impact of, of social media. But <laughs> it all started with me just sharing through my stories um, I'm doing this thing called 100 Miles of Summer. I had a couple other friends who were involved, and they would just share it in their stories mm -hmm. and tag. Mm -hmm. And then um, we used to be hosted on the Nike Run Club app, okay. which then had some limitations just as far as size goes. And we switched sure. over to Strava this past year. And, and with Strava, it's been really awesome just because I can create a team page. There's just better ways to interact than on social media. And that's the biggest shift going into this year is – Right now, we have like 100 Miles of Summer Instagram where you have posts and DMs, you know how social media works, but there's no really like way to engage and support on that mm -hmm. platform. It's kind of like always responding. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the virtual side of it. And then this past year in Chicago, well, officially this past year in Chicago, um, we did these like monthly meetups where mm -hmm. everyone in Chicago that's part of 100 Miles of Summer or not, we would do these like runner revivals is what I call them. We start with a dynamic warm up. We get into the walk run, which is really like run for a half mile, stop, have a prompt that we open share on, kind of have like that connection moment, run that. back, have a cool down, eat some good food because that's how I run. You know what I mean? It's a holistic experience, but the running is what gets us there, but it's not the part that's most important. Oh, I love hearing that. And I love, I mean, this is such, I'm going to be selfish for a minute and just focus on. So a few years ago, I was working with, uh, or I worked with Allbirds for the past two years. And um, during that time, you know, they, they were working at the time, <laughs> they were working their way into the run space. Um, unfortunately, I've since pulled out, but, um, and they were saying like, how do we get people kind of essentially who you're talking about? The people who yeah. are um, run curious is what they used to call it. And I just loved that phrase. Um, yeah. 
And so I tried, I did do a few meetups in various cities where I would do, um, we would have essentially what we called like a scavenger hunt where we would run half a mile to something. We'd have to look for something, some kind of Mm -hmm. thing people would never notice or like pretty, uh, I would rely on people. Actually, Chicago is one of the places I did it in Lincoln Park. Um, you know, this, this, uh, picturesque view that you would never notice running by. Um, and I loved that we did those. Um, uh, but like within the greater running community, it always got lost in the shuffle because I did them on race weekend, which was probably a mistake (laughs) in itself. Um, but it always just got lost in the shuffle of where I was like, I know there's more people who are interested in this kind of thing, but like, um, I just was like, well, maybe this doesn't work. Maybe this isn't, um, it just didn't pick up the momentum I hoped it would. Um, and, but now hearing you say that, like, that's so good to hear that there is, I, of course there is the, um, desire to do that. And that was going on all along. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I love that intentionality to do a run to mean more than just get from A to B. And, sure. you know, I had these dreams of making it being about learning about a city, like especially kind of the cultural um, and historical background of a city yeah. um, to really like get to know that place. But um, that's so that's that's so good to hear. And I um, uh, as someone who comes to Chicago a lot, I hope that sometime this if you do it again this summer, I can go to one of those meetups because um, that would just be so fun. Um, OK, so you uh what were we saying we were saying about the 100 miles of summer uh, oh yeah in that moment what happened from there in terms of um you had this moment where you thought right community is important to me yeah you were doing 100 miles of summer which is kind of en- uh enhancing that opinion for you and others what where did you go from there yeah from there i've tried to find it in chicago right so i am of chicago not from chicago and Years ago, I mean, 2019 getting into 2020, there's only a handful of running communities, specifically diverse community run communities in Chicago. So I started running with this run group called, uh, excuse me, Seven on Sundays. Yeah. And they meet on the South Side. They're super awesome in Bronzeville. And what's really important for me, especially being someone who doesn't have a running background, runs socially, especially during that time, um, and feels in- physically looks different than what I've been brought up to see mm. running being from a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> running with people who look like me was really important to me and inspiring and made me feel like I belonged in this space. And also the runs that we do with seven on Sundays, they're not all long runs. Not everyone's training for marathons. They do a Tuesday workout, which is blue bridge workout, which is my favorite. And that was my introdu- introduction, excuse me, to running with them here in Chicago, because I had a little bit of plyometrics, which I felt confident in. It also had like sprints and running, which I could definitely get into. And then on Sundays they do their 7am run. So everything wasn't geared around training for a race because at that point in time, I had no experience with that. I'd done a, a virtual half marathon just on my own. And I'd ended up running further than I needed to. I didn't properly train for it all. It was more like a run that turned into these 15 miles. <laughs> but being part of something where I saw myself, they would check in on me throughout the week. They would look for me throughout the week. We started to do things outside of only um, the run. So I used to host some workouts, um, meetups, and Last Lap, which is a store has now moved, but down in the South Side. And when I think about me and why I got into running outside of it being like a space for reflection and release, it is a stress reliever as well, right? It's a space that I can come to and actually take care of myself. Mm So I ran with seven on Sundays, and then I had the opportunity to do some other run meetups throughout Chicago, again, centering around people coming together. And I love the term that who are not only run curious, but also just are looking to be with people and feel like they have a space where they feel comfortable and welcome and are seen also. So I ran with them and then I got into some ultra relays, which again is like the team Mm -hmm. aspect for me was so, so big. So it's kind of all been laddering up to this past year, just had getting into marathon. I love that. And, and so the, how many marathons have you done? So I did three last year. Okay. Well, um, my first, in. my first being in April. <laughs> uh, yeah. Really just went for it. And <laughs> honestly, more than anything, like I started, I'd done Hood to Coast first with Lululemon and had an incredible experience. Quentin, who is a runner up in Toronto, um, runs with Parkdale. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, 
he just gave me a different perspective of what running should be as far as a position of joy and excitement and togetherness and not performance that since then I was like, I just want to run with people and do these fun things. So I did, um, hood to coast. I did speed project, which was an incredible oh, yeah. experience. And we did it with six of us with Lululemon ambassadors, awesome support team. Again, it wasn't about the pace. It was about from a running perspective, time on your feet. Mm-hmm. And it was about doing something together. So when I got into the marathon, I was like, I don't, I'm still new to this. I'm still learning what it means to actually be a runner and train for a marathon and understand splits and the, in the, in the language and everything. Yeah. But I know that I can do hard things. I like to train for things. There's a community of people. And unless for marathon goes completion, finishing with a smile on my face, uninjured mm-hmm. is the goal every time uh-huh. as, <laughs> as it should be for everyone uh yeah. and so related to that that was what I was wondering when you were speaking there did you maybe because you were so you had your kind of um you had this reminder from the beginning with these people you're surrounding yourself with um did you ever feel like you were getting sucked into the mm. kind of traditional approach to marathoning during that time Yeah, I think I'm going to say yes. And a lot of it has to come from the fact of how popularized running has become. Mm -hmm. And as someone whose work is on social media and I have to consume social media to a certain extent, there is a lot of content and images of, I have to have the right kit. I have to run really fast. Oh, sorry. I have to run really fast. <laughs> it's okay. I just want to explain for anyone listening. We, the uh, new thing with, I don't know, I guess it's any video call. If it's, I've never seen it done on Riverside. Just the bubble with the thumbs up yes. just came up <laughs> on and the I'm screen. A, I'm a hand speaker, so I'll be mindful of it. Um, I have to have the right kit. I have to run really fast. I have to run with a certain crew. It just, there is so much pressure around performance. Mm. Um, which I understand, especially for groups of people who maybe have not experienced in that life are looking for that, that bigger why to see how far they can go, how fast they can go, how hard they can train. But for someone like me, who's already experienced that and seen what my body can do at a higher level and is doing something socially. And also has had a lot of really beautiful experiences with like running culture, not running hype, which I feel like is very different. There is the word run club and run crew has really popularized in itself. It's become trendy. Everyone has a run club or run crew or run team, but like, what does that actually mean? And for me, it's tied to a deeper feeling of community. The running is the thing that we do together, but that's not why we are there together supporting each other. I'll be honest, I spent a lot of last year injured. While it may not seem that way when I look at my kind of highlight reel of my running over the year, I actually was not able to get as much running in as I would like and also had to cut a lot of uh, races out of my schedule because of an injury. Now I am getting back into longer runs. I've done a few 16 mile long runs, a few 17s, and I am finally feeling like I can get back to those long runs and maybe dream of doing a race sometime soon. That means I can get back to using gels. I can get back to using chews from Precision, which I absolutely love to take beyond the fueling component of keeping myself fueled for races, but just in general, enjoy. I enjoy it. So I love the original gels. They go down really easy. I put a video recently on my social media of me taking down an entire gel in 20 seconds, enjoying it while doing it. That's how easily they go down. I also want to mention their chews. I love that the my favorite flavor is lemon and mint. It's just a good little combination there. And if you don't know how much fuel you should be taking, what you should be taking, they have a free uh, fuel and hydration planner that you can go to in the show notes to get directly for you. Don't have to use precision products, but it'll help you figure out what you need. There's also free consultation links that you can get in there. A free 20 minute call, no obligations, no nothing. As a friend of mine, you can get 15% off if you are ready to go get yourself some precision fuel. Uh, and you can use the code Tina sent me if you want to go use that at precisionfuelandhydration.com. Um, and there's also going to be plenty of links to the other things I talked about today in that, including that fuel and hydration planner, which will help you figure out how much carb, fluid, sodium you need to perform at your best. 
I love Precision because they put so much thought and energy and intention into what they do. And I also take their electrolytes not only every morning, first thing I do when I wake up. Yes, even before my AG1. Uh, but also I take it during and after my runs. I love the taste. It's really easy. Go use code Tina sent me at precisionfuelandhydration.com. That's so true. Um, and I, this, oh, there's so many things that so many directions I could go from what you just said there. Um, with the, I think the community sense, the being, did you say run culture versus run hype? Okay. Yeah. Being a part of that run culture, um, it is tempting to get sucked into the other side of it. But as you said, if you keep grounding yourself in that, um, and I don't know what you do and don't know of my background, but yeah, I, I kind of quit professional running in 26, mm-hmm. uh, 2017. Um, and since then I have kind of been doing the similar thing to you, like surrounding myself with just incredible humans. I've done a lot of guiding with, uh, visually impaired runners or runners with disabilities. And for me, that has been so rewarding. However, yeah. I still get constantly what are you training for? And actually even my best friend last weekend, um, he called me in the morning and left me a voicemail and said, Hey love, just checking in. Um, wanted to see how your runs went this weekend. And I'd only run once that weekend and (laughs) I cut it short. And then he called me again in the afternoon. And when we spoke, he was like, how are your runs this weekend? And I was like, I, I only ran once. And for a second I had to, I felt embarrassed. Like I only ran once, but then I was like, but I had an amazing day with my daughter on that day I took off. So it was, it it didn't matter, but like there's moments like that where you might hear a comment or someone might do something well-intentioned. What are you training for? Mm -hmm. Like, what's your Mm -hmm. goal for this? Um, And it just tempts you. But the only way to keep yourself away from that is to keep grounding yourself in those people who are, yeah, taking so much more from running than just like the finish lines. Um, and, but it's, it's, it's challenging. Um, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I mean, I think about for me, my similar experience would be once I was done playing volleyball and my training was like more performance-based and strength-based, like really getting back into just a more athletic-based, um, mm-hmm. training style. The question was always like, what are you training for? What competition do you have coming up? Are you getting into like body competition? Are you going into CrossFit? You'd be great at this. And I'm like, I, I'm just working out to feel good in my everyday life and take care of my health. <laughs> and the same for me goes for running. And, and that's something that I started paying attention to when I started going to more run meetups later on, being more familiar and comfortable in that space of like, there was always this conversation of like, what are you training for? What are your paces? What races are you doing this year? Which for people, I think that I love to work with our, our beginners is really intimidating thinking that you always have to be striving towards something and you can't just do something because you enjoy it you have to be working towards a race or working for a PR and there's nothing wrong with having goals by any means. But I think at some point, as you know, training fatigue is real. Mm -hmm. Like I've had people ask me what I'm training for this year. And I have a six day ultra coming up with Lululemon, which I'm super excited about. But after that, I have a bunch of spectating things I want to do this year. I love to cheer. It's one of my favorite things to do. If I do run a race, it's going to be the only way people are going to know is I'm taking a picture of my bib at the start line. Like, I think there's a space for me, at least, to use my my training and my race as an opportunity to inform, educate, empower, and storytell. And then there's a lot of my life, most of my life, that I just keep for myself because... I don't need to be in the the training pressure spotlight. I've spent so much of my life and my years doing that, that I just want to enjoy it. I want to sidestep then for a minute, just into that, keeping that part of your life for you. I actually had a conversation with my husband about this last night because I, like you, live my life very publicly online. But for me, our relationship is my one private thing. I don't, he's not a social media person, which helps immensely because he doesn't want to be on social media he doesn't care about it whatever but um I cherish the fact that I have one area of my life that I'm not like I was saying we were sitting at dinner and I was like I'm not like oh what angle should I take this picture saying like date night with the hubby (laughs) um (laughs) like I'm just sitting here talking to you um I'm not thinking about that and so uh, tell me about that piece of having as a public figure having something for you for you yeah, it's 
as someone who had no intention of growing this community that I've grown, Mm -hmm. it's been a lesson I've had to learn the hard way, not negative. I've been grateful that I've had positive experiences online and people have been super supportive, but I've had to be really mindful about what I share because I'm letting people into my world. And maybe that's something that I don't necessarily, maybe it's something I'm expressing, but don't necessarily want to like drop into. Mm -hmm. And the lesson that I learned is I'm very open in sharing the grief around my parents um, and being vulnerable in that. And moments when I do share, I naturally get emotional. I mean, they're my parents, right? And there was one time years ago that I shared what I was going through just to express it because the reason why the FaceTime for me was really valuable was before quarantine, I was taking care of my mom. I was in my own quarantine back home in Cleveland, living in her house, just me, 29 years old, taking care of my dying mom. And I didn't have anyone else to speak to. So I took to a camera, right? And so in sharing my story, the amount of people that not only resonated with me, but then dropped their stories on me, whether it's, Mm -hmm. I lost my parent, my brother killed my mom, I lost my child. Like I wasn't ready for that. I, and and it dropped me into like a low grade depression. And so being very cognizant of what do I put out on social media and like in, in the why for me, it's become more of a job in a place that I can like connect with other people than it is something that I just do day to day. Because mm. if you're just putting everything out online, as you know, like what do you have for yourself to cherish that you feel like you can hold on to that grounds you essentially. Mm-hmm. So in the past really year, my sisters know that there are certain times I do quick, quick little grabs for social media. Yep. I've tried to be very mindful of I don't post in the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, my sisters know I'm never am where I just was like a hundred percent have probably already left. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly is because I want to enjoy the moment I'm in. Yeah. So let me get the content. Sure. But then I'll dump it later on at night. It doesn't have to be right there in that mm-hmm. second because you're living your life through a lens and not in the present moment. Yes. It kills me when you go, when I go to concerts, like, and like I might hold my phone up for like three seconds. Doesn't matter sure. what they're singing. Doesn't matter what they're saying. And then put it away. Done. Like do it at the very beginning. Done for the evening. Yeah. But the, the, you see so many people lifting their phone up for like minutes at a time yes. and then bringing it back down. And oh, I love this song too. Minutes. And I'm like, you are literally missing the moment. And you never, the phone is never going to do this justice. No. Um, and so, but it, it, I mean, I see how people get there, uh, but and you'll relate to this. I find it quite funny when, when I ask someone like to take a quick, Hey, can you take a quick picture of me and blah, 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 doing this. Yeah. And the person is like, Hey, do you want to check it? And I'm like, Nope. As long as we're in it, that's good. I'm just going to put my phone away. And they're like, but don't you want to make sure it's good? And I'm like, I really don't care. I like, I want to get back to being in my moment. Um, and please put my phone away. Um, so uh, I just find that quite funny because I'm just like, I don't, it, as long as my face is in the picture, that's that's all that really matters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, I want to I want to go on to something that is very relevant right now this time of year, um, and something that really stuck out to me reading about you, and is something I'm passionate about too. Is this time of year is a time of year people kind of set goals, um, have something they want to focus on, a word for the year, whatever it might be. Um, And whether we set those or not, there is a lot of pressure on us to, when you set something, to follow through with it. And I know a lot of people in this, uh, I really, I've been talking a lot lately because I'm reading his book because a friend was like, you really need to read this. I was like, I don't want to read this. (laughs) David Goggins book. I really am struggling through it. Um, (laughs) I understand. I I understand he is... People need to get out of their comfort zone. Yes. Sure. I don't agree with his methodology. I'm being sure. open-minded, but that David Goggins approach of you better get out there, like, or you're a, I'm not even going to use the words he uses, but like, yeah. if you, if you fail one day, you failed or like, you, you better not like, you know, talking about going, if you miss one rep, then he would go back to the gym to do it, do a 10 more reps. Um, yeah. I just struggle with that. And I feel there's so much pressure already on people to, if you, if they're trying to do something different and they miss a day or like, uh, I, I don't know, their child is sick and then they can't get their run in and they've said they were going to do every day. Like 
what what do you what are your thoughts around that i just i feel like people need to hear that it's okay if things go wrong and they will go wrong but that like this is going to be the best year ever or i'm going to do this this year and i'm not going to fail um yeah yeah i i want to first say that i agree with you in every way and um even down to the approach that some people have because i think (laughs) I struggle with goal setting in general, um, not as someone who can't see a higher idea or version of myself, but in my life, four months, my mom went from being completely healthy to dying. And for people to set goals for 365 days on the first day is kind of a slap in the face to life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. who are we to feel like we have so much control and all knowing of how the next 365 days are going to play out to set these goals that are going to perfectly unravel because the reality is that they're not life is going to happen. And what's really interesting is that we set goals during a season, a literal season of rest reflection and essentially like quiet. Mm -hmm. So right now in the winter months, things are naturally slow Things are healing and and sleeping and hibernating. Mm -hmm. But when life picks up speed, I I like to think about in Titanic, when the engine picks back up, like it starts slow and that engine just starts to pump over and over. Like that is the rhythm of life as we lead up to summer. And then even maybe a little bit more of a peak into the fall when routines naturally happen with the rhythm of school that we've all experienced to some degree. And then they come back down and things get quiet again. And if we are, Use an all or nothing approach to setting goals, meaning meaning I'm going to set this goal of working out five days a week and I'm going to go every single day. And then you miss that one. You're doing yourself a disservice as far as your ability to show that you can commit to being creating your own consistency and what it means to you as it fits within your lifestyle, knowing the seasons of life are going to change. Because that's like saying if you were to have, if you're driving your car, and you get a flat tire. If we were to approach the all or nothing thinking people have for their goals, that means you'd slash your other three tires. That's insane. You would not do that. You would fix the one, you'd pull over, like, okay, what do I need in this moment to get the car going? What changes do I need to make? Let's patch it up and let's keep on going. But there are people, all myself included, who set these goals of I'm gonna read a page every night. And the one day that I stay up too late, or maybe there's an event and I can't read. I'm like, oh, I'm never gonna be able to finish this book. I'm not, I'm just gonna close it and put it off to the side. Yeah. So I think showing ourselves more grace as far as what our goals are and giving ourselves the space to assess not only the plans we make for our goals, because I believe that goals are only ambition until we actually create a plan around them. But like what systems do we have in place every single day or throughout our day to help us achieve those goals and knowing that we can always pivot the plan? Yes. And, and, and still leave space for, it's never going to go, even if you have a plan, even if you have, you know, created your life in that way, as you said, with the year in general, like things are going to come up within a day to day, um, that might not allow for, for that on a certain day, even if you've kind of set things up in your life. So I I just love giving yourself the grace. And I want to, after reading about that, you kind of talked about um, on your website, this is uh, about being what 1% better every day. Yeah. Where do you find the line with that in terms of trying to be a little bit better every day? But mm-hmm. as we talked about that training fatigue earlier and the um, just the kind of pressure to always be to doing better, is there is there a line that you have to where, to me, sometimes I feel like, people struggle with the idea of like imp- progressing and again sure. in that sign of other style of um motivation that some people might speak that you have to be every day improving and yeah. that sounds exhausting like totally. do I ever get to go plateau <laughs> yeah. um so yeah talk to that yeah no I was, I was feeling exhausted right when you said it because it's like one percent better every day sure over the course of the year is 365 percent which is a lot mm-hmm. and I think often when we think about 1% better or improvement, it's, it's held on a scale of 100%. Mm-hmm. And really for me, 
every morning, my 1% better looks like answering the question, what do I need to feel most taken care of today? And that means I'm showing up for myself 1% more than maybe yesterday. Uh-huh. Like, there are plenty of times where I've gone off, I've woke, there are plenty of times <laughs> I've woken up for a run. Earlier this week, what uh-huh. is today? Okay. Uh-huh. Yesterday, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um waking up and be like, I have to go out for a 60 minute run. It's sleeting outside. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I could do it on the treadmill or, or like I could do it on the treadmill or can I do it at all? Or I just go outside. And for me, the 1% is like, okay, what is the compromise here to get this done? Is it safe to go outside? Can I, like I said, go on the treadmill? Can I do something different besides just not showing up for it? Or honestly, do I pivot the plan? Do I shift some things in my schedule in my day? I'm I'm a morning runner. I've always been a morning person. Mm -hmm. I love running first thing in the morning, but I'm like, maybe I put in the afternoon and like, that is my 1% better. So it's, it's finding what works for you on the way towards whatever your goal is Mm -hmm. that day, that day. I could talk to you about the Tracksmith Brighton Base Long Sleeve all day, every day. You know this. I love it. I've got the same ones I got in 2019. I still wear today. I love that they keep me warm on my core until I warm up a bit and then they let the uh, warm out while all the time being tighter on my arms to keep my arms warm throughout those winter months. I wear them during the day. I wear them on my runs. They can handle like three or four days of me wearing them during the day and then two runs, two to three runs on top. Love it. That is my favorite thing about Tracksmith. But today I want to talk to you about some tights and pants because it is that time of year and many of you have been asking me which ones do I like. I have tried most of the Tracksmith tights. Uh, My favorite though are the session tights. They're streamlined full length for year round performance, but I really love the way that they fit. Uh, As we know, running tights are an essential part of our wardrobe and they made a tight in this way with the session tights that can handle everyday training regardless of the weather. But especially in these winter months, they fit well, they last long, they're durable, they are comfortable, they come in all kinds of cute colors. And I strongly encourage you to head over to tracksmith.com forward slash Tina to go get yourself one of those Brighton bases, uh, the long sleeves. And also my favorite are the session tights for those of you who have been asking. I love, I have this like maroony color, or I think they call it berry um, in those session tights. And I absolutely love them. They're my favorite ones to put on. That said, I want to mention with Tracksmith, my favorite thing about the brand. I've mentioned I've been wearing the same item since 2019. That is the key here. If we want to reduce our carbon footprint, our individual emissions, the biggest thing we need to do is buy durable, long-lasting items that last and can handle lots of wears before washing. That is what Tracksmith shines at. Go to tracksmith.com forward slash Tina to find out more. I love that. I actually this morning I, I I woke up the first time at like five, and like you, I mean I'm in St. Louis, so our weather's pretty similar. Um, and uh, it was sleeting last night. I did actually go for a run in the sleet last night, but or yesterday afternoon. But um, this morning for literally five to seven, I was like wrestling with myself, like get up. <laughs> oh, but it might be icy outside. Oh, but I don't know. Uh, come on, get up. Uh, uh, I don't, yeah. Like I was going back and forth with myself. And then, um, uh, and then for me, what my like doing this is today is that, so I have a babysitter taking care of my daughter right now, which I never normally do um, during the, during the days that she's, she's here. Um, but like, I was like, okay, I'm going to actually ask her to take care of my daughter an extra hour so I can go for my run because yeah. there's a temptation in me say, well, I'm not paying someone for me to go for a run. That's essentially me paying to go for a run. Um, but you know, uh, this is something that is important to me as part of my job. It's part of like, um, this progression of what I, who I want to be moving forward with my running. Um, and that for me is going to, is a win. I asked her, can you stay an extra hour so I can go for a run afterwards? And that might be my 1% better of untangling, um, productivity with, paying for childcare. Um, and so, yeah, um, it, it can come out in different ways. Um, is there anything else you want to speak to with this time of year specifically in terms of just the, the pressure on, as you, as you said earlier about, you know, setting your goals for the year, but also just 
that you have to know what you want at this time of year. Yeah, you read my mind. Um, I think going back to what I was saying earlier in our conversation around, there's a lot of images and examples and words being shared around what we should have, especially at this time, like what's in, what's out, Mm -hmm. what are my goals, what are not. And knowing that your goals don't have to be, especially for those in running, don't have to be to run a marathon. In order to be a runner, you don't have to run a marathon. And I share that with people like, and they're like, well, you ran three and three. And I was like, well, honestly, the stars align from my marathon running, mm-hmm. but it took me six years to say I'd want to run a marathon. I didn't lean into the hype. I wanted to make sure I was mentally ready more than physically ready. Um, and that just comes from being an athlete and knowing the difference between the two and how much it's actually going to take and also mm-hmm. take away from. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that people set goals based off of what they want to achieve even I would say like quarterly. I love a good quarterly goal. It's short term. Yes. Double thumbs up on that. <laughs> it's, short, <laughs> it's short term. Um, it gives you something to work towards. You can pivot the plans, you get up to it. And then you can also give yourself room to reassess it based off mm. of your life. Right. And when it comes to goals, I, I really like to frame it from who am I living into? Like, what are my values that I'm living into to be the core of my goal? And not do I necessarily want to achieve. So mm. I want to get, um, I want to wake up rested. So a person that rested is someone who winds down early at night, who limits screen mm. time. You know what I mean? So mm. creating the goal setting from the value and then around that lining, um, outlining what is a person who has X value actually do? That is so different to what we are put out in terms of, I love the fact you just said about rested um, versus get seven, get nine hours of sleep every night, which again is not realistic. Like um, it always makes me laugh when you read these um, self-help people who say like they do all these things and you're like adding it up and you're like, how does that, she said she, she said she gets nine hours of sleep, but she goes to bed at seven. Like if she goes to bed at five, how does that work? And like, um, you know, and you're like adding it up and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, how do you do all these things in the same day? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's because that's what we've been told is like, and especially as runners, we love our numbers. Um, yeah. So it's hard to not get wrapped up in that. But as you said, you know, you, there's, there is some nuance there and that, you know, feel rested. Well, what does that mean? Sure. How do I know if I'm rested? And so then, Let's go into that a bit more about the professional athlete side of you has learned to understand your body. And so for you, you may know what rested means. And I would say I'm the same way, but for someone who doesn't know and they hear that and they say, well, I, I don't know if I could say I want to feel rested at night because I don't Mm. know what my, how my body would feel different rested versus not. Totally. Yeah. I think body literacy definitely takes time and experience, right? And and through both of the experiences we've had as professional athletes, we know what our threshold is. We know, at least for me, I tore my ACL in college. I know what injury feels like. I know what pain, I know the difference between pain and discomfort. And so it's really about, I think, creating these moments experience and time to understand like what your threshold is. So from a rested experience, from a rested example, I don't think you need to run a marathon to know what it feels like to be unrested or tired. Right. Mm-hmm. And making note of those things more than anything has really helped me. I mean, like I have a note in my phone or I have something like a wearable, which isn't necessary to develop body awareness. I think it could be informative, but I think having certain practices where you're like, okay, today I woke up and I was, I had good high energy. Um, I was alert. I had an appetite. I was able to move my body. And I feel like I checked three things off my 20 thing to do list because those are never ending and letting maybe that be the benchmark of like, I woke up energized and ready to take on the day. And then for me, I think comparing day to day is challenging because so much changes within our day to day. Perhaps you check in like every Monday. Okay. Compared to last Monday, how am I feeling? Am I feeling as rested? Am I not? What happened throughout the course of that week and then day to day to see why I'm feeling different? So I think having these moments where you do, like I say, like a check engine light, you're like, okay, mm. how are we feeling? Answering the question, what do I need to feel most taken care of today in order to understand what your body needs? But it requires getting slow and getting quiet and distracting things like being on your phone all the time, being in front of a TV all the time, even being around people all the time can take away from developing that body brain connection. 
Oh, so true. I just finished a book, one of my favorite books of 2023 was a, a book called Stolen Focus. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Called Yoga? No, but I'm down. Hari. Um, there was so much in there about, you know, um, things that we beat ourselves up about, like having too much screen time and how, you know, we are essentially doomed to fail. Even if we do, even if the phones do set like a app limit or whatever it might be, but also that it isn't just on our phones and it isn't just on the technology. Like this has been right. progressing for 30, 40, 50 years. He was saying that we, um, we've, we've, got into this state of where we're constantly cramming information into our brain. So mm. we are listening to music while we're driving or, or podcasts. We are listening to things while we're running. We are checking our phone while we're sitting on in the bathroom. We are, um, uh, you know, never at night when we feel I'm exhausted, I just want to veg out in front of a TV show. You're still, your brain is still taking in information and his argument was like that the fact we need space in our day for our brains to wander because that's yeah. when they process. That is when they kind of configure everything. Um, and so that's why so many people struggle to sleep at night. And I, as someone who used to have insomnia as a professional athlete, so bad, I now see <laughs> that was a huge part of this is that at night yeah. you put your head on your pillow. That's the first time your brain has had quiet. So and true. so it just, it's trying to process everything. Um, and so that really speaks to what you were saying of, of we've just, um, we can't learn our body if we're constantly feeding it with information where it can't yeah. actually, you know, where you're on a run and you say, how does my body feel right now? Because you're yeah. like listening to things. Um, and so I really loved that book for so many reasons, but that was one of the real things that spoke to me was particularly for us as runners, that time for wandering mind, even if we get bored is so critical to us, especially if you're someone who has a lot going on. So. No, I, I just want to add to that because it's so true, right? Like, especially I think about myself, I listen to podcasts while I run and I think it's more of a function of, I, I want to like be in conversation while running. Cause mm -hmm. I like doing things in a group, but I train alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, I don't start it, especially if I, if, I happen to switch over to music after the first three miles is when I start like giving myself the, yep. the beginning to really have that check-in. And then afterward, because of the experience that I have, I'm able to pay attention and listen. You know what I mean? If something feels off, yep. but for a lot of beginner runners, they mentioned that they listen to music because they don't want to hear themselves breathing. The, the steps are too heavy. They, they need the distraction, but perhaps the balance has to be there, right? Because how can you develop that body literacy, if you're not giving your space to do it in an activity that's also new to you. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, especially with the breathing, because yeah. if you don't hear your breathing, you're not going to know the difference between, I mean, obviously you will feel the the tiredness at the end, but you really can learn a lot as they, as their breathing, like kind of calms and settles. Um, yeah. Oh, like now I'm in a rhythm or, Oh, this is how I feel when I feel good. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was just a really interesting, um, interesting book in that sense. I want to switch and talk about something you just did um, and had, I don't know if I want to call it for you. I'll let you give your own words. Like uh, oh, trip of a, I don't want to say trip of a lifetime, trip of a, a very important meaning and um, life-changing potential for it with um, Air Libre. So I would love for you to share a bit about that. Um, I love what Air, Li Air Libre is doing and, uh, it just doing it when you did, I'd love for you to share us whatever you feel comes to mind for this. Yeah. Trip experience of a lifetime for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think, I think when, when I think about early brain, what they stand for, as far as the tagline, discovering the world through movement and really running, that's why I do it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I run to explore inner and outer landscapes with other people that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so I had the opportunity to go down to the Patagonia and the Lake District retreat, um, which started the day after Christmas to January 2nd, so the day after New Year's, a time that's really family, friend, holiday-centric. Um, and I essentially said, bye, fam. I'm peacing out. I'm going to go run with 19 strangers in a country I've never been to in the jungle. And, like, happy holidays, TTYL. See you in the new year. And... Um, for me, it's the holidays are tough. If, mm. if I'm being really honest, yeah. 
having both of my parents pass away is as holly and jolly and gleeful as it can be as a season it's definitely a reminder for me of, of them not being there Absolutely. and you know the default that people often say to me is like well you have your sisters and i'm like well they're grieving too so then we just become a, gr a grief circle you know mm -hmm. what i mean mm -hmm. and i think it can be grief is one of those things where it's ever changing there's no way to do it and it's like standing on the edge of the world and watching this storm come come towards you sometimes you know and i think society expects us just to like buckle down and hold on and ride it out for the betterment of other people uh and i've i've chosen since my mom passed away second my dad in 2016 my mom in 2019 that i can't brave face for the world anymore like i i it physically takes everything from me. I have nothing left to stand on if I do that. And it's also a disservice to the experience I had with them just to act like I'm good and fine because I miss mm -hmm. them every day. Mm -hmm. There are some days where I feel less porous, as I say, like as I'm talking to you, today is a good day. I feel mm -hmm. strong. I can talk about my parents without crying immediately. And there's other days where it's just right in the, like, the back of my throat the whole yep. time. So for the holiday season, we started, my sisters and I started this non-traditional Christmas experience the, the year my mom passed away. We actually went to Marrakesh um, and did like a sister's trip, which was super fun. And my sisters range at now 26 to 46, single, no kids. So we have the best time yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, but last year I was with my family in New York, which was really wonderful, but also like felt how heavy that was mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, well, we wish your mom was here. And like, let's talk about the stories of your mom and your uncles and your dad. I'm just like, oh, it's, it's a lot. And, and during, again, Christmas, holiday season, new year, it's celebration, but it's also relaxation. So for me, and we were, we were chatting earlier about, it's like getting a, removing myself from that environment and being in a space to understand what rest looks like for me. I am so stimulated, excited, inspired, and also able to disconnect when I am traveling. So being away for eight days in a country I'd never been to with people who didn't know me, but I got to know mm. um, that I could have like really deep conversations with because they chose the same thing. Mm. And also away from the internet was yeah. great, but also like a little like friction feeling, right? As someone that's in the fitness, wellness, health industry, like this time of year or that time of year is our Super Bowl. Like that's when we're mm. posting and talking about goals and reflections and all these things. And I was like, you know what? We're just gonna release control mm -hmm. and feelings and just enjoy where we're at. Yes, I'm so glad you did that. Um, yeah, I've I've got in the habit over the last uh, few years of of December, like bulking that and being like, nope, I'm out, peace out like in it. December. And I really, I actually didn't want to add that back again when it was time, um, or like particularly Instagram. The other ones I can stay yeah. away from, but I like I don't, I really don't want to add this. But um, <laughs> I love that so much. Um, so for someone listening who's like okay, you're going, like, how was that rejuvenating and healing or, or like a, like a special moment when it, you're just, you're going somewhere with people you don't know, you're, um, you know, that's, that has to be pretty scary go, going there. Um, you know, not knowing anyone, not knowing what kind of experience it's going to be, yeah. as you said, a place you've never been. Um, yeah. Were there some things to work through in that sense? Yeah. As someone again, who is, yes, physically fit and has run several marathons. I'm still a road runner <laughs> and so to go to Chile and run in the trails in the jungle was super intimidating to me. That said, one, I have to give credit to the Airlie Libre team for making myself and everyone feel so comfortable mm -hmm. and familiar ahead of us even meeting. We had Zoom calls, we had a WhatsApp group, there were several mm -hmm. emails. So we were all semi-familiar with each other and I went into it just saying, Kayla, if nothing else, you get, to, you are in control of your experience. If you want to walk every mile of this throughout the course of these eight days, that's totally up to you. And working with a group and being led by guides who also echoed that from the beginning, like, Hey, the running is the thing that brought you here, but like, this is your experience. You do with it what you will. And we are here to support you all through it. So knowing that if you're having some feelings, one around the holidays and want to create your own experience, you're 100% in charge of that. And of course, family and friends may feel some type of way about that. But especially when it comes to grief, 
the lived experience changed and you got to take out for your, take care of yourself first. Secondly, going into an experience where I didn't know what I was getting into, what the running was going to look like, what the terrain was like, you kind of got to release control Mm. knowing that if you're choosing to do this, you're already choosing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and knowing that no matter how it feels when you're in it, you're going to come out the other side a changed person. Mm. And that's what I feel like Air Libre especially provided me because sure, we had runs throughout the eight days, but we were all humbled yeah. by the terrain. It didn't yeah. matter if you were a road runner, again, double thumbs up, a road runner or a trail runner, or we had several recreational weekend runners, um, an age range, an ex- experience range, but we were all humbled by the roots yeah. that would jump up seemingly for me and felt like they grabbed you. <laughs> and two, it's like in three, like the experience is centered around culture and community and connection. So we got to experience these really beautiful cultural traditions and ceremonies and parts of the world and specifically Chile that people don't really know about even Chileans. So coming out of it, my, I mean, like, I didn't want to leave. Several of us cried when we were at, like, when we had to leave. We're like, do we have to go back? Yeah, yeah. We just the bus to go to the next location. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It was really great. Yeah. I can imagine also, I, I think about this often of, um, I mean, in America particularly, but in the UK too, and just Western culture as a whole, there's so much of, like, we're the superior. We figured this out. We, we know how to, like, do everything to the best. And I imagine there's a piece of that of like, oh, wow, we don't, not only do we not have figured th- things figured out in the way that we think we do, but there is no like best way of doing things. Um, and it's amazing to be a part of other people's traditions and yeah. not just doing it the way that quote unquote everyone else is, um, where you're, where you're, you know, based or where I'm based. Yeah, no, I, and early brain, I think running, especially my experience I've had in Mexico city, particularly mm. is an example of that. Mm. I think, and I actually have to say parts, certain run crews in New York city, I think echo that as well. I don't want to speak for everyone or, yeah. or outside of the States, but, and what I'm getting at is that the way that I think running in particular is positioned is that it's very race forward. It's very pace forward. As far as I think in the marketable standpoint of it. Um, and the communities are homogenous for depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. But when we look at running, I think across throughout the world and in space in places where like the ground itself is actually sacred and the ground itself is actually rooted in culture. There's a different connection to what running is and what it brings up to you and how it's experienced. Um, I can't think of the book or the quote right now directly, but it's like running is like dancing with the earth, right? It's, it's a mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm. to mother earth and father sky and feeling and embodying that and like feeling your humanness in your body. Like running is such a vulnerable act movement activity. Mm-hmm. You are the hardware, you are the engineer, you are the protection. Like it is you out there in any element. And I think when you take away the performance side of it, which is a very Western culture and the clout and the hype and all the things that come along on one side of it and get into the actual cultural ties, experience, mm. connectedness, it's, it's changed running for me. And that's why I feel very fortunate to have entered running through a space for me that was spiritual with my mom and with other people and even through the ultra relays I've done, it's taken, it's taken a village and everything life through life for me has required a village. And that's how I always want it to feel. So I I feel honestly frustrated sometimes when I see the state of running where it is now and and how it's become super popularized and and hype beastie and really influencer driven or run fluencer, if you will, I'm like, there's so, there's so much, there's so much more. And that's what I want people to experience. Sure. Well, you've definitely made, put that across today. And, um, I have loved this conversation on, on many of those areas related to that. Is there anything else to part with listeners that you'd like to remind them or do you feel like you've said what you needed to say today? The one thing I want to leave people with is no matter what goals you set, especially as it comes to, it comes to running, Remember that it's just running. Have fun.
just have, have fun. And you can always stop to walk if you need to. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Love that. Thank you so much. I have cherished this conversation. Um, appreciate all that you are doing and continue to do. Um, and just, yeah, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Before we go any further, I just want to give a quick shout out to the Running For Real team. Without them, I would not be able to do barely anything compared to what I'm able to do today. They are behind the scenes. They are there for me. I am just so appreciative of them. To Jeremy Nessel, our podcast editor, audio consultant, and someone who's been with me since the start. To Sally Pontarelli, our content and operations manager, who is there day to day doing all the things to help me be successful. To Kelsey Wang, our head of design, and Louise Murphy, our associate designer. And finally, to Sandy Gutierrez, our photographer and content strategist. I am appreciative of all of you and wouldn't be able to do what I do without you. I really enjoyed that episode with Kayla. I hope you did too. What a way to start off our year. And I hope some of the messages we talked about today will go through and remind you to keep being yourself throughout this year and not to fall for those got to do everything straight away to the back to the max all the time. I want to take a moment to remind you to go check out the links in the show notes, going to runningforreal.com forward slash episode 382. You can get links to Kayla's social media and what she is up to, as well as links to our sponsors. So you can check out their AG1, go to drinkag1.com forward slash Tina. You can get precision there, 15% off using that link, or you can use the code Tina sent me. And also to Tracksmith by going to tracksmith.com forward slash Tina. Go check out my favorites. Go to the show notes, runningforreal.com forward slash episode 382. I cannot wait to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening and uh, have a great weekend.